Thank you for checking out the Real Life Columbus podcast. Real Life Columbus is a student ministry of North Highland Church in Columbus, Georgia. We exist to help students know that Christ has reached down to us with love, provide a place students can be engaged in community, and help them advance in their faith so they can lead others to Christ. For more information or to connect with us, please visit our website, www.realifecolumbus.com, or check us out on social media at Real Life Columbus. God, we pray that you would heal the sick in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that you would restore broken friendships and relationships, broken homes. We call them into alignment in the name of Jesus, that they are to have life and life that is abundant. God, we pray that your love would change us tonight. God, that not a single person would walk out of these doors exempt from being changed by your love. So right now, we submit our hearts to you. We thank you, Father, for loving us. Your word says that we are capable of loving you because you first loved us. So God, help us to feel your love. We pray that you would anoint your holy word as it's proclaimed tonight. God, make our hearts soft so that we are capable of understanding. Touch our minds. Give us the mind of Christ. And we thank you for everything that you've done so far. And we're excited about what you're about to do. In Jesus' mighty Tonight, I'm excited to um, introduce, we've got a guest speaker in the house tonight. At Real Life, if you're a first-time guest, I want to just welcome you. My name is Jonathan Criswell. I am the student ministries pastor here at Real Life. And we love you. And we've got a a phrase around here that once you come for the first time, you're a guest. But every time you come back, you're family. Can I get an amen real life? We are a family that loves one another, so we love you. We're excited for you to come back next week if you're a guest and you are officially a part of the family. And our guest tonight is a part of the family because he's been with us before. And he is a mentor of mine, a a dear friend, a a spiritual father to me. Um, He is our district youth director. His name is Pastor John Doherty. And um, Pastor John has been on the mission field for for many, many years and served God and placed his family in harm's way so that people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he loves students with a passion, and I promise you that's exactly why I want him in front of you guys, because he loves you. And so I want to give a warm, real-life welcome to our district youth director, Pastor John Doherty. I love you, man. Thank you. All right. Hey, uh, this is my first time uh, being at Real Life since... Jonathan and Jubilee became uh, the student ministry pastors here, and uh, uh, I just I want you to know how excited I am for you because they are two of my most favorite people in the whole world. And uh, absolutely, let's show them some love real quick, can we? Come on. If you don't mind, I'm going to back up just a little bit because um, I, I uh, this is the spit zone, just so you know. 
Um, so if you didn't bring plastic, then I'm sorry for you. We're going to talk about you later, okay? Um, hey, listen, I am, I am just excited about this weekend. Who's going to the One Conference this weekend? Anybody going? I am so excited for stunt jumps. If you've ever seen what those, those are, you, you stand on a 30-foot platform, three stories up in the air, and you jump into this big airbag because it's awesome, and you can periscope it on the way down. How about that? It's going to be fun. All right, I got a few stories I want to tell you. I want to have a little bit of uh, fun tonight. Um, how many of you know what a district youth director is? Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad for that. Okay, so I am, uh, <laughs> who said that? I'm, he's over the district. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. No, uh, so really what, what my responsibilities are is that out of the, uh, all of the Assemblies of God churches in the state of Georgia, there's 210 uh, different churches across our, our state. Uh, and, uh, and I uh, network and resource and uh, uh, work with all of the youth ministries. And so I get to work with uh, Juan and Jonathan and these guys just like uh, I do in other churches all the way around Georgia. And so it is absolutely the best job in the whole world. If God had, had asked me, anything you want to do, John, I, I, would have, I would have said I want to be a district youth director because I get to hang out with students. Uh, some of the best students in the world. I believe that Georgia students are the absolute best. And I get to hang out with you guys at Fine Arts Festival. Anybody do fine arts in here? Uh, a few? Okay. And uh, at youth camp, anybody come to camp in the summertime? That's a lot of fun. Uh, and so I get to see God do amazing things in your life. Uh, okay, so um, a little bit about me. I'm married to a very beautiful woman. Her name is Jennifer, and uh, um, she is. Uh, uh, I met her in church. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever saw Jennifer, she was preaching on a Sunday night on May the 22nd in 19. None of your business. And um, it was a long time ago. Uh, no, it was 1991, and I was an intern right out of college, and I saw her there uh, for the first time on a Sunday night, and she was preaching at the youth service. It was my first night there as a youth ministry intern. Unfortunately, I had a girlfriend at the time that I had to ditch, but it was all right. Um, don't tweet that, please. We're, we're friends on Facebook. All right. And so... Um, Anyway, and, and she is just a godly woman. Hey, guys, you know what? You'll find the right woman in church, okay? You will. Young lady, you're going to find the right man uh, in the house of God in church. Uh, that's where you need, to, you need to do that. And so uh, I've, got, I've got a beautiful wife. I have three lovely daughters, uh, Emily, Anna, and Abigail uh, are three, um, my three daughters. And uh, they are just beautiful in the apple of my eye. Uh, and um, uh, they are the, the two older ones are teenagers, and Abby, she's 11, and she's just absolutely adorable, and I live in a house full of women. Um, and so the only other male in the house is the schnauzer. Uh, his name is Dexter. He's useless, uh, and so um, I'm, all, I'm all alone, so y'all feel sorry for me. Okay, the year was 1982. It was Christmas. Of 1982, you know what, I need to change that story. It was 19 none of your business. And I was in the ninth grade. It was Christmas. I know, you're judging me right now. How, you're doing the math on how old I am. Stop. It was the 80s. How many of you love the 80s? Anybody in here love the 80s? 80s, the best decade ever. 
absolutely the best decade ever. And I was in the ninth grade, and the thing was, in me and my little group of friends, we were the 80s preppies. Anybody know what a preppy is? Anybody know what a preppy is? Yes, I mean, we had like the pop collars, you know, and the plaid shirts and all that stuff, and the parachute pants. Come on, can I get a witness? Y'all, uh, did you just say not on that one? Everybody that hates her, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. No, don't do that. <laughs> Strangers in the back like, I hate that girl. Stop. It was 1982, and the big thing was in my school, in, in like the ninth grade, is that you had to have a members-only jacket. Like with the little strap that ran around here and the little things on the shoulder. Have you ever seen a members-only jacket? All right, so what we would do is that you had to put on your IZOD polo shirt, and you had to pop the collar, and you had to wear your, eyes, uh, your members-only jacket over it. Oh, I'm going to get to the shoes. I had some Stan Smith tennis shoes. They were amazing. All right. All right, and so anyway, anyway, it was Christmas, and I had been after my parents forever to get me a members-only jacket. I was the only one in my crew that didn't have a members-only jacket. And so I'm like, come on, man, you got to get me a members I'm the only one, and my backyard neighbor, my best friend's name was Kent Waldrop. He had like three of them, and I just hated this guy, but he's my best friend. And so I had to have a jacket. And so Christmas came around, and I knew where my mom, like she hid all the Christmas presents, because you all know where the mom hides all the Christmas presents, right? And so, and, but I could not find this jacket. I'm like, there's no way that my parents aren't going to give me this members-only jacket, because, like, I'm the favorite son. My older brother, he had already moved out, and so I was the favorite. You know, when the older siblings move out, your parents got all kinds of money now. And I'm like, I'm getting a members-only jacket. Christmas comes around, and I go in there, and I open the box. And I promise, if I'm lying, I'm a purple unicorn. I open the box, and there was in the box what looked like a members-only jacket. It was not a members-only jacket. It was a winters-only jacket. It was a cheap knockoff. My parents, you feel bad for me? Are you feeling bad for me right now? They went, instead of buying me a members-only jacket, how many of you know that you cannot wear that? You will get killed at school. I can just imagine, hold on, hold on. I can just imagine what was going to happen. And my parents, listen, I love my, my, my parents, godly people. I mean, just, you know, but, but they were so happy to give that to me. They're like, oh, we got you. Well, you know what you want? It was blue. It was really, actually, it was a nice color. But, uh, you know, it was blue and, and all this other stuff. But I looked at them, I'm like, but it's not a members only. It's a winter's only jacket. Mom, listen, if I wear this to school, I am going to get killed by my friends. Because you know what your friends are. You know, your best friends, they make fun of you, right? Don't they make fun of you? And you know, I know what was going to happen. I was going to walk into school with my popped collar and my preppy look, and I had on my white Stan Smith tennis shoes. Can I get a witness? And so they were looking good, and I'm like, but it was winters only. You know what would have happened? They would have just destroyed me. Hmm, nice jacket, John. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't you hate it? Don't you hate it when you send your mom to the grocery store and you're like, Mom, I need some Cheerios. Pull that slide up, guys. I need some Cheerios, right? How many of you like Cheerios? Anybody like Cheerios? I love Cheerios. 
But mom, mom comes back from the store and she's got this. Mom, I didn't ask for, for scooters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that is so kinds of wrong. Or, or the next slide, give me the next one. Give me the next one. You say, Mom, listen, I need to have some, how many of you like Dr. Pepper? I, I need some Dr. Pepper. Mama, Mom, listen. Listen. You go into Walmart, Mom, bring me back some Dr. Pepper, please. Thank you very much. And Mom shows up with this right here. Dr. Thunder. Hey, Mom, like I love you and all, but I did not ask for Dr. Thunder. Okay? Or, or, the, or, or, the, or the next slide, or the next one right here. You say, Mom, how many of you like Fruit Loops? Yes. Yes. You say, Mom, listen, while you're at the store, would you please pick up some Fruit Loops? I need some Fruit Loops. And she comes home and she's got this right here Tootie Fruities. fruities that is like unreal or or this is the worst one this is the worst one give them the next one I mean, I mean, how many of you love pop tarts all right i love pop tart how many of you love pop tarts you're like all right all right all right all right and you say and you say mom listen mom listen oh you know what i'm talking about the brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts all right yeah, come on now. Come on with the icing on the outside. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You say, Mom, listen. Mom, you going to over there to the, I don't know what kind of grocery store they have. They have Publix, Kroger, or whatever here. Uh, here, you say, Mom, you going to Kroger? Oh, you going to, hey, listen, pick me up some Pop-Tarts. And Mom shows up with one of these right here. Brave tart. Do not eat movies for breakfast. Brave tarts? Mom, what is up with that? Now listen to me, students. Listen to me. Hold on. Hold on. How many of you have ever had that happen before? All right. You know, some of you are like, all the time, mom. Some of y'all texting mom right now. This guy's preaching about you, mama. Listen, hold up. A lot of times in life, we have expectations. And sometimes reality doesn't measure up. I know that we're preaching on relationship goals. And tonight, I want to talk to you about your relationship as a Christian to your relationship to the world. Now, when we talk about the world, I'm not talking about the earth, the ball hanging out in space, you know. I'm talking about the things that are not of God are in the church, okay? 
a lot of times as Christians, and especially, listen, young people, I, I, I was young once, okay? I know what the pressures and peer pressures and all those things are. I know exactly what they're like. I know what you're going through. I've been doing youth ministry for 25 years. I kind of get it, and I kind of understand that you are in a particular situation right now trying to walk out your faith in a world that wants to destroy you. You are trying to live for Jesus in a place that wants you to live for them. So tonight, very briefly, and I promise I'm not going to preach long, I want to take you through a portion of Scripture, and we're going to talk about how we relate to the world and how we relate to the Lord. If you've got your Bibles with you right now, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 14. And the weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold with three minions of gold in, minions of gold in each shield. And the king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. That's, that's way up in the north. Skip down to verse 25, uh, chapter 14 and verse 25. And in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, and he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. And he took everything, including the gold shield Solomon had made. And so King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. And whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards bore the shields, and afterwards they returned them to the guard room. Lord, we love you. And Father, I pray in the next few very brief moments that you would open up our hearts and our minds and allow us to understand how important it is that we understand our relationship with you and we understand our relationship to the world. Father, I pray that if there's a young man or a young woman in this building tonight, that you would allow them to see areas of their spiritual life that need to be addressed. And we give you the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name and everybody says, Amen. I want to tell you a story tonight. It's a sad story about a man who lost something very important to him. It's a story about a man who was robbed of his gold. Everybody say, give me the gold. The man's name was Rehoboam. He was the king of the land of Judah, which was part of the nation of Israel. He wasn't a great king. He did things on purpose that he knew would deliberately make the people angry. He inherited the kingdom from his father Solomon, who wasn't perfect himself, but at least under Solomon, the nation had prospered. In fact, the Bible says that Solomon was earning for the nation 25 tons of gold every year. Everybody say, give me the gold. And every year, every year, 25 tons of gold. And at today's prices, that is about $1.2 billion every year, not including what was brought in from foreign trade routes and so on and so forth. The guy was sitting on a lot of gold. And one thing that he did with that gold, he made some decorative shields. 
The Bible says that King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, which was about seven and a half pounds of gold went into each shield. And he also made 300 small shields of hammered gold, about three and three quarter pounds of gold in each shield. And the king hung them on the walls of the palace of the forest of Lebanon. 200 large shields, 300 small shields, that's a lot of gold. Now it's impossible to say today how how much these shields would be worth, but let's just say this, using an estimate of today's gold prices and doing the math, probably close to $60 million worth of gold was hanging on the walls of the palace of the forest of Lebanon. So when Rehoboam came along, And became the king, Rehoboam figured that he didn't have to do what his father had done. And he went off so far in the other direction that the nation was in turmoil. And round about this time, other nations started looking in and saying, you know what? I want a piece of that nation. One king, King Shishak from Egypt, figured he'd invade the nation to retrieve, excuse me, to relieve them of their treasures and their money. Shishak invaded the land, and you know what he did? I just read it. He went to the palace, and he saw the gold, and he grabbed it. He took down all the shields that were just hanging there. The shields weren't doing nothing. There was a battle going on. Nobody was using them, and Rehoboam found out. And so it says here that so King Rehoboam made bronze shields of to replace them. Bronze is, is about, about 80% copper and about 20% tin. It's a cheap metal. It's a cheap replacement. And it says that as Rehoboam would walk into the palace, he would have the guards pull them off of the walls and hold them, just like the old golden shields that were stolen by Shishak. I told you this was a sad story, and I I promise I'm going to go quickly tonight, students. Just stay with me a few more minutes. The saddest part of this whole tale is that some of you in this room, some of you in this room are going to be tempted to allow and have the exact same thing happen to you, except your temptation won't be about anything as worthless as gold. It'll be about your relationship with Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-7 through 7 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that, we can, ne- that can never perish or spoil or fade. And this inheritance is kept for you in heaven, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation. Skip down to verse 6. And in all this you greatly rejoice, though for a little trial, for a little while, though, you may have have to suffer grief in some trials these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold you see Peter is saying this to the church he's saying listen to me church he said you're going through some tough times you've got pressure on either sides but it's there for a purpose it's there to prove to you that your faith is worth more than anything else Your knowledge and your understanding of your relationship with Jesus is worth more than anything in the world. When we talk about our relationship to the world, we really have to address the fact of what do we value the most. How many of you in here like to be popular? There's nothing wrong with being popular. For the right reasons. Okay. Some of y'all are like, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I want to be popular or not. We done decided about you. 
you get that on the way home. How many of us in here liked to be recognized? How many of you play sports? How many of you? I was a basketball player. I was a basketball player. I played football, baseball, but, man, basketball is my thing. Hey, listen, when we were playing basketball and they, they, they read your name and you ran out on the court and you low-fiving everybody out there, you know, and that stuff, and you jumping around and you bouncing and all that other stuff, you know, they're reading your name over the microphone. You like to be recognized. Here's the problem. That in your relationship with Jesus, it's more important to be recognized in heaven than ever to be recognized on earth. Here's the problem with Rehoboam, and I have three very quick points. I promise I'm not going to take uh, too long tonight. Point number one. Here was the problem with Rehoboam. They weren't his shields. They were inherited. They weren't his. They were given to him. They didn't originally belong to him. Rehoboam got them from somebody else. And likewise, listen to me, young person. Some of you don't have your own faith in Jesus. You're leaning on your family or your friends. Oh. Pastor John just got up in somebody's Kool-Aid. You know what I'm saying? You are leaning on your, your friend's relationship with Jesus. You're leaning on their relationship with the church. You're leaning on your parents' prayers, and you have no relationship with Jesus of your own. Now, you may have know who Jesus is, but you don't know who Jesus is. The problem with Rehoboam is that he had no investment in those shields. They weren't his own. Now, listen to me, young person. I promise you, I, there are things in my world that I absolutely adore. I love my daughters. I love my wife. I love the church. But nothing, nothing, nothing will ever take the place of my relationship with Jesus. Nothing. You're saying, oh, wait a minute, Pastor John. What if you had all the wealth in the world? I'm going to tell you right now, I could spend some money. You know what I'm saying? I like shoes. Come on, I'm still an 80s preppy. How many of you like shoes in here? Hey, check these. See that? All right? I like all the girls, but like, I like shoes. How, how come, by the way, I just want to get something off my chest. I have three daughters and a wife. How come they got to have 87 pairs of boots? There are girls holding up their boots in here right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've never, ever had anybody take their shoes off in a service. <laughs> Apparently, I have struck a nerve. The problem was that his relationship with those shields was inherited. And look at this, and, and I want to point something out to you, young person. I promise I'm hurrying. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 24, pull it up on there. They're talking about King Saul, and this is what they said about Saul. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all that day and all that night. Not literally naked. It means he took his, his, his uh, robe off, his king, his king robe, like he was going to be like everybody else. And this is why people say, is Saul among the prophets? Now Saul was a backslidden king that, that, that literally went and got advice from witches. And you're saying, and the people began to say, hey, look, he's out there prophesying. Let me tell you what was happening in Saul's life. He was hanging out with the prophets, the men of God. He began to live in the overflow of their relationship with God and not his own. 
You see, when you're in the altars at camp, man, you feel a touch from God, but you go back to your dorm room or you go back home at the end of the week and nothing has changed and nothing has happened. The problem is you've been living and experiencing the overflow of the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. I've had students say to me more than one time, Pastor John, I I really feel the presence of God uh, uh, at camp or at conference or something like that. But when I get home, it's it's, it's, it's just not there. And I say, well, the problem is you're enjoying the overflow of somebody else's experience. Just like Saul. He began to prophesy under the power of the Holy Spirit because he was living in somebody else's experience. The problem with some of you in this room tonight is that you have an inherited relationship with God and and the issue is it's never been your own. Point number two, I promise. Point number two, I promise. Second thing about Ray and Boam's shield, they were ignored. They were hanging on the wall for crying out loud in the middle of a battle. There is a war going on, and there's a battle raging, and he's got shields hanging on the side of the wall. They're just hanging there. They're not doing anything. Some of you have a faith that you don't do anything with. You say, no, wait a minute. I I, I know who Jesus is. You come to service on Wednesday night in real life, and you soak up what others give you. You listen to what people teach you, but you just don't do anything with it. You don't obey. You don't apply. You don't serve. You don't help. You don't give. You just don't. You don't do anything with it. You know what I really believe about students? is that this generation is is what I call the authenticity generation. You want something that's real. You would be willing to do whatever it takes if you felt like you were being led in the right direction, that it was something real. Students, let me ask you uh, just real quick. What does it take for Pastor Jonathan or Pastor Juan to get you guys excited about what's going on in real life? What do they have to do to get you to, how many of you ever been on a mission trip? Anybody ever been on a short-term mission trip in here? A, a few, a handful. Listen, every young person in this room should do a mission trip before they leave high school. Every person in this room, you should be able to do something to give back because God has given you so much. Point number three, really quick. And this is going to be fun because i got a fun story to tell you about this. Third thing is that Rehoboam's gold shields, they were all about the image. They were all about the image. Now, I got a a story. Please don't tweet this or don't post it on Facebook because I'm friends with her on social media. But I had this girlfriend at college, and she was crazy. And I... No, no, listen, guys, listen to me. True story, I'm not even making this up. She called me in my dorm room. This is back before cell phones, don't judge me. And so she called me in my dorm room, and she said, we're getting ready for a date. Listen, we're getting ready for a date. She said, what colors are you wearing tonight? I'm in college. I'm just happy they're clean. I don't know what color. How many of y'all are playing this? I don't know what color I'm going to wear. I said, well, why does it matter what color I wear? This is what she said. I'm not even making this up. Hand of God. She said, well, we have to match. We have to match. Now, I'm not picking on the girls. Listen, there's probably a girl in here who thinks that that's a good idea, and I'm okay with that. I think you, look at her. She's raising her hand. Yeah, yeah. I ain't matching none of these folks up here right now. I'm just saying. All right. And so, listen, wait, wait. But I asked her. I asked her this question. Promise you, true story. 
I said, why don't we have to match? And this is what she said. This is what she said. Listen to me. She said, because we have to be the best-looking couple. Now, girls, I'm not picking on you. I promise it's okay to be the best-looking couple. Guys, if any of you guys think like that, that's okay. But listen to me. This is what it told me. This is what it told me. She was less concerned about me than she was about the appearance. She was more concerned about how we were going to look than how we were going to relate to one another. She was more concerned about whether or not we matched our clothing, whether or not we matched personalities. You see, a lot of the Christians in this room tonight, some of you are all about the image. You don't wear pure gold. You know, you, you, it's not about, about those things. It's about substance. And a lot of us in this room, our faith is weak and we can't stand spiritually because we want to make sure that we look good, but we know that in our hearts and in our lives, we're failing in our relationship with God. It's all about the look. Rehoboam replaced those shields with cheap shields, bronze shields, because he wanted the people to think that those shields were still on the wall. How many of you in this room tonight would be honest enough with me and say, Pastor John, I have put bronze shields over my life because I didn't want people to know the truth about my relationship with Jesus. You see, when it comes down to your relationship with the world, we know what the world's agenda is. It's really about your relationship with Jesus. Now, last thing, and I, I promise I'm going to stop. I want you to imagine just a moment. You're on a date with your significant other. Let's just... It, I'm on a date with my wife, and we're sitting at a nice restaurant. You know, I'm spending large, like Olive Garden or something. <laughs> Y'all going to tweet that, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, all you can eat salad, that's all I'm saying. We're sitting there at the Olive Garden, and I mean, she's like decked out. You know, she's a brunette. She's got like black hair. Not a brunette, but she's got like jet black hair. And, and she's just, you know, she's just gorgeous. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying my hardest. And, uh, and you know, I'm just, I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me. And can you imagine, can you imagine that this strange man just comes up and just kisses her on the mouth? Stand up and do that for me, please. That's right. Thank you. Imagine the look on my face. I mean, can you just imagine, and I mean, this just stranger just comes up and just kisses her on the mouth and turns around and walks off, and I'm like. Somebody about to get scratched up. Boy, I don't know kung fu, but I'm about to teach you something. You know what I'm saying? Listen to me. Young person, listen to me. Young lady, listen to me. How would you, how would you respond if some, some, some girl just is walking down the hall and you're holding hands with your boyfriend at the school, you know, and y'all just looking all awesome and whatever, and this girl just comes up to him and just kisses him right on the mouth? There would be blood in the hallways. Yes. 
Y'all think I'm picking on the boys. Listen, I've seen girls fight before. Y'all cheat. Y'all cheat fighting. Y'all pull hair and, like, poke eyes and stuff. And so, listen, shh, listen to me. You know what we do a lot of times, though, young person? Listen to me, students. Listen to me, young man. Listen to me, young lady. Listen to me. This is what we do in our relationship with the world. We say that we're married to Jesus, but in truth, we're making out with the world. So I want to ask you tonight, as I bring this to a close, what is your relationship goal with Jesus? Because if you've got that relationship taken care of, then no other relationship will ever get in the way. Real quick, Rachel, if I could get you or someone to come up to the keyboard. Would you, would you guys all stand for me real quick? I've been doing this a long time. I've seen young people come to the altar and they begin to make deals with Jesus. Oh God, I'll, I'll stop doing this. I'll stop doing that. Just let me keep doing this and let me keep doing that. Oh Lord, I, I, I claim you in my life, but you know, I still, I still need... I still need to be popular at school. I still need this relationship with this unsaved young man or young woman. Even though they say they're Christian, I know that they're trying to lead me to hell. Oh, God, if, oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, but I've got this substance abuse problem. We won't talk about the drugs. We won't talk about the alcohol. We won't talk about the pornography. And we, but I love you, Jesus. I love you. My relationship with you is solid, but I've got these things over here that we don't talk about. I've seen young people come to the altar and I've seen them come time and again and God never did anything in their lives because they were never willing to make sure that their relationship with Jesus came first. So I want to ask you tonight, every eye open, every head up, is there anybody in this building that would say to themselves, Oh, Pastor John, you've been preaching to me tonight. The truth is, I'm carrying around a bronze shield. And everybody thinks that things are okay, and my parents think that things are okay, and Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Juan think that everything is okay. But the truth is, I have traded my precious relationship with Jesus for something cheap and temporary. that's you tonight I want you to get out from where you are and I want you to come find a place in this altar come on don't wait don't wait don't wait get out from where you are and come and find a place in this altar come on come on come on come on come on don't wait come on come on yeah man 
Yes. Yes. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Don't let peer pressure keep you from your relationship with Jesus. Come on now. Find a place in this altar real quick. Real quick. Real quick. Come on. Come on. Come on. Find a place. Find a place. Just begin praying, young person. Just begin praying. Just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I want my relationship to be right with you, Lord. I want my relationship to be everything that it's supposed to be. Come on. I need some spirit-filled students and leaders in here to come up and find somebody to pray with right now. Come on. We're going to go. We're going to pray for young people. Come on. Come on. Come on. There you go. There you go. Everybody in this altar, I just want you to begin to pray. And everybody that's not in this altar, I want you to look at me. Everybody in this altar, I want you to begin to pray. And everybody out there, I want you to look at me. I have the luxury of being sort of, you know, beyond your age, your generation, whatever you want to call it. I'm the generation before you. I'm a generation Xer, you know, generation X. We don't care about nothing. We're the slacker generation. You're a generation Y or generation Z, depending on how old you are. You know, I'm a generation X. We didn't care about nothing. We invented, we invented video games. We invented wasting time. And I have the luxury of being on the other side of that and being able to look back. And let me tell you something. There are so many things in your life right now that are vying for your time and your attention. And Jesus is sitting in the corner and he's saying, what about me? What about me? Some of you, you're born again. You love Jesus. You're filled with the Spirit. But let me tell you something. There's a battle daily, battle daily for your attention and for your time. And my question to you is who are you going to spend it on? Who are you going to spend it on? Are you going to spend time with Jesus? When's the last time, young person, spirit-filled Christian young person, when's the last time you wept over your friends at school that you knew that weren't saved? When's the last time you were so moved emotionally when you were listening to Pastor Jonathan or someone else tell you about all the people around the world that are beyond the reach of the gospel? When's the last time you watched a newscast and saw refugees coming into Eastern Europe and you said, they, they need to hear Jesus? I've got a question for you, young person. What are you spending your time and your energy on? Is it Jesus? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're saved and you're filled with the Spirit of God, but you need to realign your time investments. I want you to lift your hand real quick, and we're going to pray for you. Come on. Come on. Wow. Wow. Come on, man. Wow. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your many wonderful blessings in our lives. God, I pray over every student in this room as they pray also, Lord, that they will realign their time and their investments. And as you are sitting there saying, what about me? That they will hear your words and say, God, I'll dedicate my time, my energy, my emotions to my relationship with you. And I will spend nothing else on the world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Set a fire down in my soul. 
that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more, yes. There's no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. That's our prayer tonight, God. We want more, God. I want more. Come on, somebody needs to get passionate about their relationship with Jesus right now. in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. a prophetic word from God tonight, young person. And I want to do one more thing before we close out this service. I want every parent and adult leader that that is not in college, but you've been raised in the church, you have, you're established, and you are mature in your faith, I need you right here, right now. Every, every parent leader 
Here's the thing. When, when gold is being refined and made pure, the Holy Spirit just placed this in my heart. When it's being refined, it has to be refined by fire. And the fire is what melts away the impurities. The fire is what causes the gold to be pliable and moldable and shapeable. It causes the heat and the friction from the fire is what causes the breakthrough to get the stuff that should not be there out. And I feel so strongly right now in this moment that so many of us could relate with the prophetic voice of God that was spoken through his word tonight. That what we've allowed in our lives has been so counterfeit, but we don't know how to continue on. And I've come to tell you tonight, the last thing we're going to do is I promise you, the Holy Spirit of God is a consuming fire. And the Holy Spirit, we are unashamed, a Pentecostal youth ministry. And tonight, you're in this room right now and you said the, the shield is an image. The shield is tin and bronze. The shield is not being used whatsoever. And you don't know why because it's your desire for that not to be true. I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit of God wants to touch you with the fire of God tonight. If you're in this room and you've tried but you failed, I believe that the reason for that failure is because you haven't received the power of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you would be bold enough, you would be brave enough, you would be courageous enough to say tonight, you know what, Pastor John, you read my mail tonight, that's who I have been, I don't want that to be me anymore, I want the Holy Spirit of God to do something in my heart and in my life, because I've tried to do it in my own strength, and I failed, so now I need something more powerful than any force on the face of this planet, I need the refiner fire to touch me tonight, to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, to refine, to get the things out of my heart and out of my life, I want you to come right here, right now, and we want to pray that the Holy Spirit of God would baptize us with fire so that we can be the men and women of God that he desires us to be. So come now. Come now. If that's you, you've never received the Holy fire, Spirit. Come. Fall down. Fire. Fall down. On us we pray. Oh, as we seek your fire.